0: If you have your Bibles, if you could please open them up to Acts chapter 13. We're going to be in Acts chapter 13 and 14. We're going to continue in our series. Remember, we left off at the beginning of December, Unstoppable. You remember that? Yes, 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 remember that. We're about halfway through that series, so we got a long way to go, but about halfway through. But a church that is going to be unstoppable and effective has to have accountability. Has to have accountability. Remember, the, the church started in Jerusalem. You remember that, right? Started in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. two. Remember that. The church started in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. And, and it was given the commission to go to go into Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That was to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they're supposed to do. And they did that. And then they were encouraged to, to do that through persecution that came in Acts chapter 7. And then in Acts chapter 8, through persecution, the church was scattered. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but most other people left Jerusalem and they ran for their lives. And some went as far as, as Antioch, 300 miles to the north. And they began to share the gospel in this very pagan city with over 500,000 peace people lived at Antioch. And first they would go to the Jews and they would share, but then some, uh, some men from Jerusalem— who spoke the Greek language, began to share with some of those people who spoke that language, the Gentiles. And some of those people came to know Jesus as their savior. So the church of Jerusalem sent Barnabas down to Antioch to check this out, to see if, it was, if everything was legit, if everything was authentic, if the gospel was really being preached, if these people were really coming to know Jesus as their savior. And he was down there and he began to encourage the people to see that everything was going great. And he began to teach. And what he was doing as he was teaching, many more people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and the job got bigger. So he had to go find help, so he leaves there, and he goes to Tarsus to find a man by the name of, who? Saul, Saul, found a man by the name of Saul, and he brings him back, and Barnabas and Saul stay in Antioch for a year teaching. And now a dramatic shift is going to take place. And what we're gonna see in Acts chapter 13, we're gonna see the first missionary journey that Paul has, where the church of Antioch now is doing the same thing the city of Jerusalem did, where they're gonna go beyond themselves, beyond their culture, beyond their time zone to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ is what they're going to do. And their church must be accountable. And we learned three lessons, really, from Acts chapter 13 and 14, if you have your outline there. Accountability for the church. Number one, every church is accountable to God, right? Every church is accountable to God. Amen? Let's read verses Acts 13, verse 1 through 3. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mananin, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them, so that after they had fasted and prayed, They placed their hands on them and sent them off. Every church is accountable to God in two ways, especially every church. The first one, they have to be accountable to God in terms of the commission of Jesus, right? The commission that Jesus gave us. No church can invent something new. there There are some churches we've seen over the last probably 10 to 25 years that say, we want to do something that no one's ever done. Something no one's ever done. We want to call it church. But we need to understand that church was God's idea. He defined it. He described it. He gave the church its marching orders. And we can do it in different ways and in different culture and be all creative and everything. But it's still God's idea, right? Church is God's idea. We didn't come up with this. Someone didn't come up and say, we're going to do church. It was God's idea. He's the one that started. He the one that created. it. It was only created through Jesus. He created the church, and then he gave the church the commission in Matthew chapter 28. Hopefully you know that. Matthew chapter 20, verse 19 and 20. He says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, And I want you to teach them. That's what you're supposed to do. Teach them. That we can't mess around with. That we can't change. That's the commission. That we're called to do every church is called to do every person is a follower of jesus that's what we're called to do that's the reason we exist as a church for that commission jesus gave us our purpose our reason for existence is the commission that jesus gave that what was happening there and this church in jerusalem and now antioch they were doing this and barnabas was there to make sure that they were carrying this plan out they sent him down there for a reason to make sure they're carrying out secondly we find that the church is also be accountable to the holy spirit they have to be accountable to him and to work with the holy spirit it seems like right now in our culture what happens is many times the pastor is pushed to be more like a a ceo and especially when you start getting in larger churches a ceo developing strategic plans five-year plans ten-year plans there's nothing wrong with that as long as the holy spirit is included in the process or as long as the church leadership knows that the Holy Spirit could change His mind and he t- I don't want to do that. Stop the process, speed it up the process, or give you a whole new vision that He wants you to have, right? You understand that. Or, or, or He might interrupt it. We must never develop our plans apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. That's presumptuous. That's humanistic to do that. There's a verse in the Old Testament that I love in the, the book of Proverbs that helps me as a leader and personally. It's in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. It says, in his heart, man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We make our plans, but we listen to the Holy Spirit, and he directs our paths, right? We have plans and desires in our hearts. All of us do. And we have those desires, and we come before God, but God directs our paths. He gives us the guidance, tells us which way to go, what he wants us to do, and and we give him permission to change direction, don't we? Whatever God wants to do, that's how we're supposed to live. But the church in Antioch, what was going on? They were worshiping and fasting, the Bible tells us. And then the Holy Spirit in verse 2, he says this, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now these two guys in the church who were leaders in the church, were the teachers in the church, and uh, they had probably led a lot of people to Christ, right? They they had discipled these people. They did all kinds of things with these people. And maybe there's some in the church that looked at that and said, Wait a minute. Barnabas and Saul, you're going to take them, the Holy Spirit now is called, set his hands upon them, says that I want them to leave your church, and they're going to go someplace else. There's got to be probably some people in the church that says, wait a minute, Barnabas and Saul are the one that led me to Christ. They're the ones that discipled me. They're the ones that mentored me. They're the ones that had impact and influence into my life. They're the ones that helped me when my marriage was struggling, or helped me in my life. Can't you send somebody else? Can't you take someone else, God? We'll give these four people, but leave Barnabas and Saul here. Could you imagine them saying that? But we find out that the church didn't say that, did they? They didn't say that at all. They didn't try to bargain with God. What did they do? The Bible said the church listened to the Holy Spirit. Every church must be accountable to the Holy Spirit. And notice what they do. It's really cool what they do here. The church responds by fasting and prayer, and they responded by laying their hands on Barnabas and Saul. This is a really big deal when you lay your hands on somebody, because laying on their hands it was symbolic. It was very meaningful. And what they were saying to Barnabas and Saul, that Barnabas and Saul, we believe that God has called you. We understand that. We believe this. We agree with you that God has called you. We want you to know right now, we want you to know we're here, we want you to leave here with the blessing. We want you to leave with, as we lay our hands on you, with the blessing from us, that you have our blessing to go. And we want you to leave, as you're leaving here, that we're here for you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to support you. And, and we want you to know that you're always welcome to come back to this place, right? You always have a home here, and you're welcome to come here. But we understand that now you're God sent ones, that God has sinned in you. And, and so they laid their hands on them. And that's the third thing they did. They sent them off is what the Bible said. They sent them off. The word there for sent off means really means to be released, to be set free, or just to sin. So they sent them. They, they sent them off. This is the church working alongside of the Holy Spirit uh, with the missionaries they were sent off. So many times, though, the church is left out of this process today is what we find out. We find that a student will come out of college or university, and they'll say, you know, I, I feel like God has, has called me to missions to pick the country, whatever country. And they come in and say, God has called me, but I've already contacted the mission agency, and they've agreed to support me and, and to send me. So they're going to be my sending agency. And so what I really know from you, the church, is I need you to support me. I need you to kind of write the checks, is what they really ask. And that's really backward. That's entirely backwards, what we see from Scripture. That it's supposed to start with the church, and it's supposed to end with the church. And the mission agency is just that. They're an agency that comes alongside of the church. They come alongside. Once the church has worked along with the Holy Spirit to determine— that we believe that God has called this person or that person to go out there in the world to make a difference for Jesus. Then the mission agency is supposed to get involved because no one knows that person better than the church in which they're in, right? And so the church and through the Holy Spirit with that person, determine, yes, God is calling you. We affirm that. And this is where he's calling you to. And then the mission agency comes alongside of the church to make the, help to make this happen. This is what they were doing in Antioch, and this was really exciting for them. They were able to send people out from Antioch now. Remember, people left Jerusalem, and now they go to Antioch. Now Antioch's like the center of everything that's going on. And now Antioch gets to be the sending church. Matter of fact, it's the first place where we see where missionaries really use, right here in Antioch, where they're going out. And they were doing this. And now here comes Barnabas and Saul. They're in front of their church there, Antioch. Can you imagine the excitement of those people there, in the Church of Antioch. To be able to lay their hands on Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul led many of those people to Christ. They discipled them. They changed their lives. They mentored them. They helped them through difficult times. Now they have the opportunity to lay their hands on Barnabas and Saul and send them off. Can you see the blessing that is? Can you see what's going on in the churches? They're so excited. They feel like they're part of something. Everything that Barnabas and Saul are doing, that they're part of this. And that's what was happening here. And so the missionaries, these missionaries, they left Antioch. And through the course of time, the gospel spread west and up into Europe and then across the ocean to the United States. And Europe, right at that time being for a long time, the epic center of Christianity. And then that shifted to North America. no longer it's North America anymore as the epicenter. But uh, still, United States is the number one sending, sending nation of missionaries, followed secondly by Korea. But there's no longer an epicenter of Christianity no longer in the world. Do you realize that? Because so many people have come to know Jesus. That's why. So many people have come to know Jesus. At Far East Asian, in Africa, people have come to know Christ. And it's fascinating what is happening in China. China is always fascinating. The Gospel came in China, and many people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then after World War II, what was happening? So many of those men came back from overseas, back from Japan, from the Far East, back from Europe. And what they wanted to do, they wanted to receive training, so they go, go back there as missionaries, is what they wanted to do. But in 1948, all the missionaries were kicked out of China under the Communist, Communist regime. Uh, the seminaries, the Bible colleges, and, and the churches were all closed down, and they were kicked out. And the rough estimates at that time, in 1948, in the land of China, they believed there was about 50 to 60,000 Christians living in the land of China. But now what's going to happen, they've all been kicked out. Well, the Holy Spirit's still there, right? He hasn't been kicked out. He's still there. What happened, the church began to grow under persecution, began to grow Quite a bit under persecution. Holy Spirit began to work. And many people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Not worshiping in churches like ours. Worshiping house churches and underground churches. What was happening there. And once, uh, once over the decades, the communist regime, what they would do, they would heavily persecute the church. But sometimes they would look the other way. The problem was you didn't know which one they were going to do. So we always had to be on guard there. Never really know what's going to go on, going on. But it's, there's estimates today, decades later, after 1948, there's somewhere between 70 to 120 million Christians now in China. Can you imagine that? When all the Christians, everybody was kicked out. But God, over the years, 50 years or so, 60 years, there's now 70 to 120 million Christians in the land of China. And if asked China, they would say they're against Christianity in the church. But there's growing. I read about a movement in China that took place many years ago called Back to Jerusalem, and it's really interesting. They wanted to take what was started in Antioch and went west and went around the world, but it got stopped in China, got stopped there. They wanted to continue it now from China to Jerusalem is what they wanted to do. Between China and Jerusalem, where it all began, there's now about 90% of the world's unreached people called the 1040 window. You've heard of the 1040 window, right? Right there. And you have these big three giants there in the 1040 window in that area between China and Jerusalem. And the three big giants that blinds the eyes of the people are Hinduism, Buddhism, and Islam. And so in 2002, 39 missionaries left China to go to these countries. And since then, many more have gone. And they started this this whole movement from the house church movement from China, they left there. And when you would ask these Chinese missionaries that left China to do this, where would you go to Bible college? Where did you go to seminary? They would kind of laugh at you or, or kind of grin at you and say, well, my Bible college was called prison. And my textbook was my shackles or was maybe the whip across my back. But God has called me to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're being effective, really effective. The church has to be accountable. The church is central to world missions. We're central. Guys, the church can never be taken out of world missions. It can't separate the church. This is how God, God uses the church to accomplish that. We're going through the book of Acts now, and we're not able to go through every passage of Scripture here. Guys, we can't do that. Every verse here in the book of Acts, read this read. There's so many amazing stories, especially in Acts chapter 13 and 14. So many things. They're sent out. They go into these villages. They preach preach in the synagogues. They do miracles. And many people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Some of the cities they go to, the people start worshiping them. And they say, stop worshiping us. We're just like you. We're just men just like you. And they go into some and they're stoned. The apostle Paul, he goes into one city. And some of the people from the previous city came there and they warned the people. And they stoned Paul And they thought he was dead. So they dragged him outside of the city and they left him for dead. He's left there. And the Bible says the other believers surrounded him and they must have began to pray. They might have attended him medically. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the Bible tells us that he gets up and he walks back into the city. But the next day he left. But he was able to get up. You have to be in stone. Can you imagine? These are the stories that we find here in Acts. The book of Acts. Read them. Number two, The church has to be accountable to the pattern and plan of God. To the pattern and plan of God. Let's read Acts chapter 14, chapter 14, verse 21 through 23. You have it? Say they preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed to them the Lord, in whom they have put their trust. This probably should be able to go without saying, but unfortunately in our world, it can't go without saying. That what cannot change in the church throughout all human history is the message, right? Is the gospel. It cannot change. And the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's who Jesus is, that He's the Son of God, that, he, that He's God, and that He died on that cross. And that debt that He died on that cross was to pay the payment for my sins and your sins, so that we wouldn't have to spend one moment apart from God after we die. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That cannot change, it cannot be changed by anyone. What, who Jesus is and what He did, that's the gospel. Paul wrote to the Galatian believers, and you've heard me share this before. He says, don't preach any other gospel. And he says it to the Galatian believers, ver, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. And listen to what he says. It's very strong words. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned, is what Paul says. Very strong words. Verse 9, as we've already said, so I say it again, if anybody Is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. He says it again. He says, Make sure you understand what I'm saying. If anybody's preaching a gospel, may they be eternally condemned that they might lead people away from Jesus. This is a really big deal. This is a really big deal today. This is a really big deal not to distort the gospel, is what he's saying. But there's huge and wonderful emphasis today on social justice, isn't there? You ever hear people about social justice? Is social justice part of the gospel? I, I believe it is, but it doesn't take place in the gospel. By that I mean we're, we're to help those people in needs, aren't we? We're, we're to help the, the orphans, the widows, the elderly, those who have no food or no shelter or clothing. We're to help them. Social justice is very important as us as believers in Christ, as the church. But if that's just all we're doing, if we're never sharing the gospel, we're like, we're just humanitarians then, Right? Like so many organizations around the world that are helping people. Just humanitarians, that's all we become. See, to share the gospel is really to help people. And that's what we're called to do, is to share the gospel. The gospel is helping people. We need to understand it. But it has to be a communication of the truth, of who Jesus is and what he did for people. See, that can only change people's life, not only in this life, but in life to come. Humanitarians around the world, what they're trying to do is help people in this life. And that's limited. It's temporary help. That's all they give. What we want to do is not only help them in this life, but help them in the life to come. that has eternal value. So we want to help them with their physical needs, but we want to share with them about their spiritual needs because that's what they really need, right? So we want to share the gospel with them so they can know that. The message cannot change. The pattern we find in the book of Acts, we find it, it, it was simply this. In Acts chapter 14, verse 21, we see it. They preached the gospel, the good news, and people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That was it. That's the pattern. And the word preached is not the normal word there for preach in verse 21. It's the word gospel, or it's called gospel. In other words, they gospel. It means a whole lot more than preaching. What it means is they they lived it and they taught it. And it's more than just sharing Christ. They lived it and they taught it. It was the one-on-one. It was the 2 2 It was in the marketplace. It was in the workplace. It was with family members. It was over the back of the fence of your house. It was to your neighbors, to the neighbors down the road. It was all kinds of people. It was helping people is what they were trying to do, is help people and share and deliver it. It was in the small groups. It was gospeling to reach people for Jesus, what they were trying to do. So people might come to know Jesus. They lived it and they taught it. They just didn't share the gospel, or they just didn't do good deeds for people. They did both. They lived it and taught it. They gospeled. And that's what we're called to do, is the gospel. The second part we'll be we finding in verse 22 is where they strengthen and encouraged Anybody who's a new believer, they need to be strengthened and encouraged, right? Or they can be very vulnerable many times. And they have to know the faith. They have to be strengthened and encouraged the faith. So they have to know the Word of God. It's so important that you and I know this word word. Not know about it, but we know the word. It's so important that we come to church on Sunday. and We're in Bible studies and all that. But just to know the word and be puffed up with knowledge is not enough. We, to really know and grow means not only do I know it, but I apply it to my life. That I live it out. I take action. I, I do what it says. That's growing in Jesus. Not just be puffed up with knowledge. That's not what God wants. That you and I be growing in Jesus. That I'd learn and then I put it into action. It doesn't do you any good to come here on Sunday morning and listen to me and share things, and then you don't do what it says. That's what we're called to do. That's what Sunday mornings is about. That's what Bible study is about, that we do what it says. And that's what they were to do. And and if they don't, they become very susceptible and vulnerable to all kinds of doctrine. They become susceptible and vulnerable to those Cults that come many times come to our doorstep and they knock on the door and want to talk to us. And we start to believe and we start to wow, maybe what they're saying is really truthful because we haven't been grounded in the faith. So Paul and Barnabas, what they were doing, they were strengthening courage the faith to make sure people understood the word of God. So when they heard some of those wrong doctrine or cults, wait, that's not right. The red flags would go up. That's not right. Because they knew this and they applied it to their lives and they would live in it. Understand? That's what we all need. Then the scripture said they would gathered them in assemblies called churches. And the third phase we find here is they established leaders in verse 23. This is the pattern when you find the early church. Over and over you find it. It was all about planning churches through evangelizing, through gospeling, is what they were doing. Strengthening and encouraging churches, organizing it into churches. They, they reach people for Jesus Christ. Well, your point and develop leadership is what they were doing. And so Paul and Barnabas was able to leave once they did that, and the church could multiply. They could plant more churches or start more churches. And they continued this process, what we see here, them doing constantly. Growing up leaders, reaching people for Christ, and continue to do that. Strengthening and encouraging teaching, and then appointing leadership, and then they move on. And they constantly did those kind of things. Number three, every missionary is accountable to the descending church. Every missionary is accountable to the descending church. Let's read Acts chapter fourteen, verse twenty-four through twenty-eight. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia. When they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. From Attilia they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had been now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together reported all that God had done through them, and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Missionaries like Saul and Barnabas uh, were sent by the church, were supported by the church, were prayed for by the church, and they went out on this first missionary trip, is what we have here, and they came back to report to the church all that God was doing. The church is core to all this, guys. That's the way God wants it. They come back and they report to the church, to the leaders, to everyone, this is what God has been doing, and that's what missionaries are supposed to do. The church, the church wants to know what the missionary is doing, don't we? So we can pray for them, so we can support them, so we can help them accomplish everything that God wants them to do, so we can come alongside of them. That's what we're supposed to do is, with missionaries. We come alongside them so they can accomplish what God wants to accomplish in and through them with the church working alongside of them. It's about the church reproducing what God wants to do, sending out missionaries and doing those kind of things. These missionaries that go out, they're accountable to the sending church. They're all also accountable to the supporting churches, that all of them that were supporting, they're accountable to them. Well, how do we wrap this up? How do we apply it to our own lives? You heard me talk. Well, that's what God was doing in the church. How do we apply this? And the reason I'm sharing this because the first thing is we can pray. We need to pray for missionaries around the world, because many of those missionaries are sent to places where they're not wanted, and so they're like in a war zone. So we need to be praying for those missionaries that for their safety, but even better than that, for their boldness for Jesus, that they would preach the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would not compromise the gospel. Remember, the gospel is who Jesus is, that he's the son of God, that he is God. Many places around the world that share that Jesus is God, you lose your life for that, to share that. And that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and raised on the third day. And anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus finds forgiveness of sins and ever has a relationship with God. That's the gospel. We can't change the gospel. So we pray for them, that they would be bold with the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they go. Secondly, please pray that Crossroads and the leaders would work alongside of the Holy Spirit. So there might be people where God would say, she's the one, or He's the one. And is strategically sent out by God, working alongside with the Holy Spirit, that they might make a difference for Jesus somewhere around the world. Right from crossroads. Wouldn't that be exciting? They have people that God raises up right here in our church and say, boy, I feel like God is is calling me here. And we kind of pray with them and help them to accomplish that in their lives. Number three, and this is really important for all of us. Let's remember all of us are called to be missionaries. None of us are called to stay. None of us are called to stay. All of us are called to go. You understand it, right? All of us are called to go. Jesus sent everybody. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. He told all of us. We're all supposed to go into our world, our sphere of influence. We're supposed to go and share the gospel. We're supposed to, gospel It's what we're supposed to do, to live it and share it. So people might come to know Jesus. Live it and share it is what we're called to do. In our ministries, we want that to happen in all of our ministries, in our small group, in our student ministry, in our children's ministry, where we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ constantly with people. And maybe through that, God will place His hand on some and send them cross-culturally someplace around the world that they might reach others for Jesus. Outside of our time zone, outside of this area that God might send them. But all of us, all of us are supposed to be missionaries. We're called to be God's missionaries in our world as he sends it out each week. Remember, we gather here on Sunday mornings to fellowship and to worship. We worship God and we fellowship together. But then God sends us out as his missionaries to gospel, to live it out and then share it with others, to live it out and teach others. That's what we're called to do. All of us would be on mission. That's the challenge for each and every one of us as we come into 2022, that we would be on mission for Jesus, gospeling living it, and teaching it. Not just to share it, but let people see the difference that Jesus made in your life. Not just to do good deeds, but never sharing the gospel, but it's the gospel. Do both. I'm supposed to live it and teach it. And through that, we'll be amazed what God does to it, every one of us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we come and we praise you. We praise you, God, because you are an amazing God and you have done good things. And God, we believe that you're not done with us. You're not done with this area of Rochelle. You're not done with the surrounding areas, God, that you've got all kinds of work that you're still going to do. And God, I believe that you want to use us. You want to use us. That you don't want to do, you, you, you don't do this work without us. That you've chosen to use people to be your hands and feet of Jesus. To use people to share the gospel message. And God, we are your privileged ambassadors. I pray that each one of us and all those that are listening Lord, we'll submit our hearts and minds to you and say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. If it's to send some of us cross-culturally, we're ready to go. If it's to send us to our neighbor, we're ready to go. If it's to send us across the street, we're ready to go to talk to someone, to our family members, to our coworkers, to somebody in our community. Wherever you want to send us, God, we want the gospel. Help us to be faithful, be on mission for you, and the gospel, to live it out, but not only live it out, to teach it. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness, And, Lord, may we always, may every one of us always be committed to the message, that we never compromise the message, the gospel, that we share the true gospel with people and not say, oh, there might be other ways. No, there's only one way, and it's through Jesus. But I pray, Lord, that your power be on each and every one of us as you send us out today uh, and, and we continue to worship you, that, Lord, we realize there's so many people to be reached in this Rochelle area. There's so many people that don't know Jesus. And Lord, we know that you're not done in this area because churches are still open. You still want us to reach people. You still want us to reach people in our workplaces, in our families. Help us to be those people that do it, Lord. Help us to not give up with our family members, our neighbors, our coworkers, in the city of Rochelle and the surrounding areas. But let us to realize, God, you're not through. There's so much work that you want to do. There's so much you want to accomplish in our lives. And the great thing about it, God, as we know you want to use us. Help us to be a part of your plan. Help us to be a part of what you're trying to do. Give us the honor and privilege, Lord, and opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to recognize those opportunities. Help us to be faithful, to share the good news of Jesus. Lord, we're just called to share. It's up to you to say. We leave that to you. But we pray for those that we might share it with. We pray you might tend to their hearts. They might be receptive as we share it. Tender their hearts, Lord. Bring things in their life the way they see they need Jesus, Lord. If they can't depend on our culture. They can't depend on, on the world. But they need something that's bigger than all that. And what they need, God, is we know it, is you. They need Jesus. But, Lord, let us be that privileged ambassador. We get to go share the good news with them. Lord, we praise you and we love you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.